the past few weeks have left many wondering what other specters of risk haunt the investment landscape. I'm a bit surprised by the surprise, actually. Well, maybe I'm not so surprised. Seems so par for the course of the past two decades. Just hopping and skipping between various crises we are. Too cynical? Agreed. I suppose I'm mostly just a bit put off by the lack of foresight that some of the folks within the banking sector have shown. It's as if what could go wrong wasn't a question they regularly asked themselves, considering the simplicity of the explanation of the bank's demise. I suppose it could be that the world turned just too quickly for them to adjust their portfolio exposures. But even that's giving them too much credit, I think. Regardless of the environment, one would think that prudence would have required an investment approach that would work across a range of future scenarios, not just a select few that continued to rely far too heavily on interest rates remaining at historic lows. Maybe that's too mean. I mean, things happen. A fair number of otherwise right-minded decisions could have led to the situations in which Silicon Valley Bank and other banks now find themselves. See what I'm doing here? With hindsight, it's all too easy to judge, perpetrators and regulators alike. But I'm guessing that at the time these decisions were made, or I suppose not made, these bank executives believed they were balancing potential reward with potential risk. And the regulators, where they were given the authority to do so, believed they were appropriately watching and guarding their flocks. That's not in any way to excuse their collective lack of creativity regarding potential future scenarios. I just imagine that, given the very clubby nature of Silicon Valley Bank's venture capital industry clientele, a likely non-insignificant factor in the bank's belief that their clients were unlikely to bolt all at once was a corresponding confidence that they were all part of one great big team together doing the work of innovation. But still, they should have put more thought into their reviews of potential investment outcomes. When it comes to insisting that part of the work of a prudent investor is pondering the future, I don't mean to suggest that we're all to think about the future of investment markets as a multiverse, where anything and everything happens across an infinite future space. Because, while neat in theory, such thinking isn't very practical. Plus, it would be rather silly to suggest that, say, I don't know, Amazon at some point in the foreseeable future is the only company left in the investment universe. That future exists in the multiverse. I just wouldn't assign even the remotest likelihood of it happening in our timeline. Rather, I think it better that investors regularly describe a reasonably wide range of potential future states to arrive at an approach that could be seen, regardless of the eventual hindsight available, to have been a proper choice at the time. Target the middle, the range of probabilistically more likely outcomes, perhaps, rather than bet on an extreme. Thinking that way, many of the recent events like those that continue to cause so much stress can be predicted to occur at some point, just not with any specificity. Case in point, many thought Putin's second invasion of Ukraine was a likely event. It was a matter of when. Others thought, no way. But it would have been prudent to assume some manner of likelihood that this particular bit of geopolitical event might occur. More rationally, you wouldn't need to factor in so specific a scenario. That is, one generally should ponder the potential ramifications of geopolitical instability when implementing an investment strategy. As other examples, inflation had been low, even uncomfortably so, for a long time. But that didn't mean a bout of inflation such as the cycle we're now in wasn't possible. And bank failures aren't particularly rare, though only once prior was there a failure larger than two of those that recently occurred. I suppose it's a good thing, then, that the Federal Reserve and the U.S. Treasury stepped in to ensure there'd be no more abrupt failures. Or was it a good thing? I'm just not so sure. And that's because I more and more believe that we're becoming far too quick to save folks from their financial follies, especially for lack of creativity when it comes to preparing for potential future situations that might not be so kind to present portfolio positioning. 
and in particular for not having sufficient appreciation for the fact that all investing carries risk. Clearly, executives of these banks were taking on risk in a manner incongruent to their duties to customers, shareholders, and employees. There's just no other way to color it. But what about the bank's clients, many of whom maintain cash balances well above the insured limit? They arguably, too, should have been made to suffer the consequences of insufficient prudence in cash management. But the Treasury and the Federal Reserve stepped in to ensure that wasn't the case, suggesting that the minor crisis, so far at least, otherwise would have turned into a much larger one. Those efforts once again brought to the fore the concept of moral hazard, that when we bail out everyone, including the many folks that obviously made poor choices, we give folks room to believe that they need not be too concerned with risk going forward, thinking that if they somehow get over their skis, the gravity of the Federal Reserve will pull them back upright. Save us every time they will, so light it up. That's just not how things should be. That is by no means a populist perspective. Neither am I approaching the matter from the just-let-capitalism-be-capitalism standpoint. I simply believe that it's quite important to remind folks that all investing carries risk. Whether or not one chooses to estimate or evaluate that risk, those risks will have consequences. Unlike bank executives and venture capital firms, mom-and-pop investors never have and likely never will be bailed out from market declines. And that's among the reasons we spend so much time talking about risk. It's so that clients understand not just that all investing carries risk, but also might benefit from planning for risk before it eventually reveals itself. When we understand in advance that the past few weeks of heightened volatility or the past year of not-so-great returns are possible, even likely given enough time, we're more likely to stick to an existing plan that just as importantly acknowledges, if the past is any guide, that we believe even these challenging times eventually shall pass. To those ends, we're more than happy to have such conversations as we believe that striking that balance, best we can, is among the more valuable services we can provide clients in their pursuit of financial goals. Importantly, this podcast is not presented as an investment recommendation. This is not a solicitation to invest in any investment product of Signature Resources Capital Management. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or to predict future performance. The approach described may not be right for everyone. No one listening to this podcast should take our comments as advice specific to or appropriate for their individual situations. Individual circumstances should be taken into consideration when determining a suitable investment approach. All investing carries risk, including the potential loss of principal. As with any analysis of economic and market data, it is important to remember that past performance is no guarantee of future results.